Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, again, I pray you be the teacher, the revealer, the one who opens our minds to bring understanding to what we're learning. Information's great, but it's revelation we need. We need to understand what it is we're learning. And over the years, I just see you peeling back more and more layers of depth uh, to, the, to, to what I thought was so simple, and yet it's so deep. So today, speak to our hearts and me. Amen. Healing life's hurts through understanding forgiveness, part 11. I know it sounds long, but you know what? It's way too important. And we're almost done. We're almost done. We're, I'm, I'm hoping next week will be the last one. And it should be. I know I can't make today uh, the end because I was working on the message and went, oh, there's no way. <laughs> so it's going to be fun. So uh, last week we talked about how to forgive, and it was zooming in on the actual event of forgiving and the prayer between us and our Heavenly Father. Not about the offender, okay? This is forgiving the offender between us and God. This is the first step. What I'm going to talk about today, how do we walk that out? <laughs> this is going to be interesting, and I really, really hope you hear, hear what I'm trying to say, and especially the intent, because some of it may be difficult, but I've had to reword a bunch of my slides because it could send somebody down the wrong direction of thinking, oh, no, now I'm obligated for this, 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 and if you're anything like me, your mind can race a mile a minute and figure out all the scenarios, right? We, we, we're good at that. Um, I don't want you to do that. I want you to pause and hear the step and stages and advice coming from the scriptures. And more importantly than anything else, let the Holy Spirit reveal to you what part to leave with today. Don't try and grab everything. It's not going to work. It's way too deep. I promise you. Let's begin with this. Uh-oh. Oh, there it is. Whew. So it's all right if, I, if I'm still angry. This is from the shack. Papa was quick to respond. Absolutely. What he did was terrible. He caused incredible pain to many. It was wrong, and anger is the right response to something that is so wrong. But don't let the anger and pain and loss you feel prevent you from forgiving him and removing your hands from around his neck. We need to be reminded of this fact over and over. It's okay to be angry about being hurt by somebody. Please do not try and counsel somebody down who is angry about expressing a hurt and say, you shouldn't feel like that. You're in no place to say that. You have no right to say that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We do need to realize we have permission to experience feelings. When somebody hurts us, it's going to hurt. Emotions are going to go all over the place. Let the Holy Spirit do the work of helping us process this. That's what this is about. That's why forgiving somebody between you and God first is the biggest step. So last week's message is really important. But now to walk it out, there's no real path. There aren't real markers, so to speak, of where you should go. Nobody can do that for you. I can't give you 10 steps to perfect healing. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. If it did, I'd be rich. I'd write a book and there you go. Nelson Mandela said, when a deep injury is done to us, we never heal until we forgive. And that was last week. 
the moment, the event of forgiveness. Yes, it happens at a point in time, but now we enter the process. And it could be a long one. It could be a short one. But most often, especially if it's a deep, deep hurt, a deep, profound one, it could take a long, long time. The process. The advice to start the process is this. Be willing, the key word's willing, to move one step towards the possibility of entering into a relationship with them. I know you wouldn't like that. I don't hear any amens. Not a single one. <laughs> okay? You have to read these words carefully. And this is one of the sentences I changed from last time because the other one was far too much in your face. This one explains better what I'm after. I'm after the willingness. Father, for that person in my mind right now, that has hurt me. Right now, I don't want to talk to them at all. But somehow, bring the willingness to me. Uh, there's a little sliver I know it's not going to happen now, but there's a sliver if down the road, if ever, fine. But right now, just that sliver of yielding. Do you understand? Does it make sense? There's more coming. Willingness to risk is the key. It's the willingness, not the act that's going to happen, not the fact you may end up having a conversation with this person one day or not. There are some times that's not possible or should happen. We'll cover that later. Not risking is a fear of being hurt, which reminds one of the hurt, which reminds you of the anger. And it's a vicious cycle. So we don't realize that by not being, having a sliver <laughs> of willingness can cause or reveals to us the cycle that's in us. Because every time it comes to our minds, we shut off. Nope, 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 nope. And we just, it's the constant no, no, no. And what, suddenly we have a sliver of maybe yes, Lord, is that the path you're going to take? Am I, am I being drawn towards healing? Whether I ever talk to them or not is irrelevant. Do you understand the willingness part? This is big in the process. What this will mean if you take this risk, it will involve a risk in being hurt again. Ta-da! We are going to get hurt again. Somebody's going to hurt us. Okay? It's a fact. It's life. It's how we handle it. It's going to matter. And we're not talking about walking blindly back into a relationship. This does not mean that somebody who's deeply hurt you, whether physically, emotionally, whatever it is, it does not mean that we suddenly go, well, now, in order to prove I've forgiven, I have to enter a relationship back with them. That's the biggest lie in the church today. Really? Do you remember the, what forgiveness is not serious part? We've been led to believe that if you are not willing, or if you're still angry, if you refuse to go back into a relationship, then you really haven't forgiven. And they rub it in your face, just like uh, sandpaper on the ground, and they shove your face in that, like, <laughs> it hurts. It's not fair. It's not true. This is big. We're not talking about walking back into it. There are times we need to protect ourselves and be safe. Um, it does not mean to let them repeatedly abuse you over and over again. There are times we have to get out of relationships that are in constant abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, you name it. There are times we have to exit. Sometimes we have to quit our jobs for our own mental health. See a counselor. This is, this is my pastoral advice is see a counselor. <laughs> okay? Because each situation is unique. Um, and love demands that we do confront at some point. 
if we're going to, if, if ever reconciliation were to ever come, which is not, uh, by the way, a requirement for forgiveness, <laughs> but if it were to ever come, confrontation has to happen because they got to be called out the carpet for what they did. After you've forgiven them, you now have the freedom to call them out. But that is a process that the Holy Spirit takes you on. You do not rush into that one. I've covered that several times in this series. I don't want anybody to rush into that, especially with those with the fast brain. <laughs> okay? What this will mean is a willingness to confront. And people don't like conflict, right? Don't show your hands, but who doesn't like conflict? Come on. <laughs> I don't like it. Nobody really likes it. And the few people I've heard that do like it, wow. <laughs> wow. Run from them. Okay. Um, we would rather forgive and forget instead of have conflict. The default is let's ignore it. And I've seen this happen in families where a certain relative has done something so bad that he, that issue is the elephant in the room at all the family reunions, at the Christmas thingy, and sometimes stop going to those things because of that elephant. Confronting is critical. And when that person refuses to be confronted, it may mean that's it. I will not expose myself to their toxicity anymore. And we, it, it's painful. But that is what love does. Love does not let, let go and stop. What this will mean, and two reasons we need to confront. First, the love of God, because God calls to discipline for the offender's sake. True love confronts darkness that continually hurts. If you know of an abuser, you call it in. You know of a child getting abused, you're gonna, you better get on the phone and call the cops. Like This is what love does. That doesn't sound like love. You bet you it's love. Love protects. Love tries to stop the hurts and the repeat. We're not punching bags. And we don't let other people be punching bags either. And we do it for our own sake, the confrontation. It, by the way, please, please, please don't run ahead. I'm not saying now that part of the, the start, part of the process is you got to be willing to enter a relationship, now go confront. That is not the path. I'm giving you elements that you will see along the way, but it's a long journey. Okay? I want to be very clear with that. This step is something God has to do in our heart. It cannot be rushed into but rather you are to be drawn into it. This is where you need to stop trying to figure it out, and I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> oh, crud. Yeah. We can't figure it out on our own. We can't fix the problem on our own. This is going to become, in fact, by the time we're done today, this will be a time to yield, to surrender all of it, and let God be the master to guide you through whatever's got to happen. And it's that willingness to surrender that will become the start to your personal healing after you've done that forgiveness between you and God. And remember, we did talk about re-forgive, re-forgive. You might do it 100 times a day for the first week, you know, and so on. Like, it, this is a process that is so real. But I want healing. I want to see others healed. And there is hope. So to think there is no hope, that's a lie. That's darkness. I'm bringing you light to show you there's hope and a way through this. Let God do this in your heart. Be willing to move one step towards the possibility of entering a relationship. Here's what this does not mean. It does not mean entering back into abusive relationships, re-entering continued pain or being violated. 
There are times we need to distance ourselves. I've even seen couples um, do a split up without divorcing. They've separated. They need that instant time apart because things were bad and they need help, professional help. And usually at that time, one of the two is usually, I'm not doing counseling. It's about control, power, ego, you name it, and so on. That's just one example. There are times for employment. You have to quit your job and go find a totally different job, even with less money, because your peace will change. It doesn't mean necessarily you're running, but sometimes, sometimes you must. And that's individual. I'm just saying those are options that are on the table that you may never have thought were real options. While they're difficult, they still may need to happen. Instead of it being about being open, oh, sorry, instead it is about being open that with the event of forgiveness, it will begin a process towards health and safety. Out of that may birth a willingness to re-engage. So remember, last week's message on the event of forgiveness, the goal is the Holy Spirit making you willing for whatever's going to happen. And the best part of it is going to be your own healing. That's the goal right now. Remember, forgiveness is for you, not for the other person. Did you hear that several times over this course? It's for you. So don't, don't run down to the conflict idea or a willingness to engage thing if it's freaking you out. Fine, pause it, put it in the back burner, focus on healing. All right? Be willing to let God change your emotions or not to. <laughs> oh boy. Oh Lord, change me, you know, so that I don't feel bad anymore. And yet, wait a minute, why didn't you? Why, why am I still feeling upset? The willingness, the surrender, the, the yielding. This is what this is about. God is not going to take control and we become robots. A lot of people don't want to change. They enjoy their pain. They don't want to forgive because it's easier to stay mad emotionally because to have to move towards healing requires work. And you're used to controlling and managing your anger and how you keep people away. Oh, it's so easy. But to walk towards healing? There's a cost, an emotional cost, and it's scary. Two things that can happen if you're not willing. Number one, you will live a life angry at everyone and only try to protect yourself from more hurt. Or you're going to go around milking sympathy and attention with all the bad things you've, that have happened to you. What we really need to be doing, oh, sorry, what you will really be doing is milking your needs from others, and it works. Do you know those people? How you doing? Oh, oh, it was a rotten morning. I spilled my coffee. And the car broke down again. And, oh, and my neighbor's dog all night. Oh. Really? Anything good happened? No, nothing good. No. Oh. And he's like, <laughs> Talk about negative energy. <laughs> Eeyore. Yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> you need everybody, right? But anyway, back to this. Don't be like that. There are people in our lives that are like that. It's time to move towards healing so that if our countenance to others is one of being short and ticked or whiny and groany, that does not reflect who you really are. It is that that needs healing. Are you willing to take it and go, Father, Oh, and wait, Father, even if I'm not willing, I'm hearing something really right here, so can you 
make me willing because, man, I, I just can't see this right now. I don't get it. That's a great prayer. If I'm left feeling hurt and frustrated even after doing all these things, what then? What if? What if my expectations aren't met? Oh, I thought after I forgave and went through all these steps, I'd feel good about it and I could be friends again and things are back to normal. No guarantees. That's control freak ego. Flesh trying to control again. You can't control people. We try it all the time. How's it working? It doesn't. A powerful reminder is this. Jesus did not promise to deliver us from pain. <gasps> Can you believe that? But he did promise to walk through it with us. There's a big difference there. Sometimes we're trying to help other people in pain when that's not our job. We're actually extending their pain. We're actually doing a Band-Aid fix when they need to walk through it fully themselves and release in full surrender. They may have more brokenness on the way, and you're just trying to bail them out. Huh. 2 Corinthians 1.9 says, It felt like we had a death sentence. This is the Apostle Paul. It felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts, and we still feel it to this day. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves, and to place all of our trust in the God who raises from the dead. He felt he was going to get killed. But he, he had so much hope in this God he says he believes in. That even if he was taken out, if God wanted him back, he'd raise him right away. Now, that brings a whole zombie question to this. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> But God has the possibility and power to do all that. But this is, the, this is the faith of the man Paul. It gets better. Watch this. Peter himself, in Luke 22, 31 to 32, Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has demanded to come and sift you like wheat and test your faith. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this. After you have turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. <laughs> Jesus prayed for his faith, not deliverance. Prayed for his faith, not deliverance. Listen to these faith words of Christ. This is amazing. If you haven't seen this, this might be a, an aha moment. No way. Really, I never saw that before. After you have turned back to me, Do you hear it? He knew. You're turning back. It's okay. The Father told me. So he's able to declare by faith, when you turn back, now because of what you just went through, you get to encourage everyone else's faith. Let's change our prayer a little bit for people that are going through struggles. Yes, Lord, deliver them. We don't want people in pain. But pray for their faith. I pray for peace. That's my prayer for most people now. Father, may your peace be revealed in them because they need it right now. Huh. Something to think about. John 15, 5 says, I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, faithfulness will stream from within you. 
But when you live separated from me, you're powerless. Or in another translation, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything of value and eternal power apart from Christ. He is your source. Recognize the source. That's why we started this series with source. Second message was on source. Who is this Jesus? This line here is big. This is a new revelation for me. Jesus is your surrender. You can't even do it. You can't even want it. You can't. It has to be Jesus. And if you have a want, it's evidence of Jesus in you, creating and beginning the want, which will eventually lead to healing if you surrender and let him. We have deep-rooted independence roots buried deep in our ego flesh. Jesus is your surrender, so relax and trust his indwelling life in you to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done, and when it needs to be done, he'll give you the power to do it. Rest. This does not mean to ignore our feelings or emotions, but instead we yield them or surrender them to God, letting the divine deal with all aspects of the outcome. (laughs) God's in charge of the outcome too. Oh, but we want to control the outcome. We think it has to happen this way. Oh, trust me, the older you get, you're going to realize there are going to be blind sides in life you couldn't see coming, and the redirections of course corrections in your life, a storm's going to come and blow your boat way off course, and suddenly you're on a new course, and you didn't see it coming. It's like, what? I would never have been here. (laughs) This is where we rest in the divine who lives in us, Jesus. Number six, begin to walk in forgiveness now. Now begin to walk. This, this is really the step. The other stuff was important. The willingness was important to re-engage, a sliver. <laughs> and then the other one is to confront, being willing to, willing. But they aren't the to-do list. This is the beginning of the to-do list. Since you have been forgiven, remember, we remember who we are and what has happened to us. Since we have been forgiven, we now act like it. Live like who you are. Live like what you have done. What you've done is you've done that forgiveness prayer to God for that person. Now we live like it. It will take a long time to practice it because I can, let's go up, if I go up to Kurt and uh, uh, Kurt, come up for a second because this, this is a, come on up. Pretend I'm mad at you, but you don't know it. All right? So, yeah, I'm mad at you, so stand right here. So I'm trying, okay, I've done, Father, forgive him. <clears throat> oh, Kurt. Hi, Kurt. You're wonderful. <laughs> yes. Oh, gee. Nice shirt. Yes. <laughs> See ya. That's the first one. Eventually, eventually, after much time, as the Holy Spirit works in my own emotions and heart, it's going to be authentic. Kurt, wow, great to see you. Authentic. But I'm practicing to not live from my emotions, but from truth. Because my emotions do not always reflect truth. I have forgiven. Therefore, act like it. Does that make sense? Not an easy one. Trust me. I've not figured it out either. I've only seen slivers of it. It's becoming clearer as I get older. I'll know it when I'm 99. Forgiveness doesn't mean re-entry. You can forgive someone 
to be at peace with the situation without bringing them back into your life. You need that permission. Because who's in charge after all? Not you. The swirling doubts. Anybody have swirling doubts? At all? Any doubts? I do, yeah. What if I don't feel like I've forgiven? Then I'm going to remind you, you have. Remember the fact, that moment, the event. You have forgiven. And if, again, if you doubt that, do it again. Father, I forgive. There, that's pretty recent, so I'm not going to forget that. <laughs> right? That's where re-forgiveness comes in. So that our brain helps our emotions catch up to the fact, the event, the objective truth that we have walked through. What if my offender never repents? So? Not your problem. My mom's dead. She can't repent. But I share with you a story of God showing me a picture of what that could look like, and it brought healing to me in a way I could never have done. What about people that have moved away? What if you have a parent who's abandoned you as a child, and you'll never know who they are? What about them? It's not about them. It's about you. Your healing. What if they hurt me again? <laughs> yep, especially when they live closer to home. You confront, you love, forgive. Confront, love, forgive. Next week, we're going to talk more about what do we do when they live close to us or they're in our proximity, living in town, in our own home. How do we walk out this forgiveness practically? And I have some advice coming in from a bunch of sources, and so it's going to be a whole bunch of people sharing next week's message via paper. I'll say it, but the contributions are from a collection of individuals who have some profound things to share. You're going to love that. And then you might ask, well, I don't know if I can do this. Well, you actually can. The real you can. Who is you? <laughs> is ego you? Is flesh you? Or the spirit that is your life source, is that you? Yes. And that is in union with Christ. Therefore, you can, whether you feel like it or not. The battle. Ephesians 6. This is amazing. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. So it's got to be good, eh? Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Ha <laughs> There's the source. Stand victorious with the force of, or weapons of his explosive power flowing in and through you. This means recognizing first he is in you and that he has given us all power and his full power does live in us. Some of us, that, that's going to be the message today. That's going to be all you get to leave with. Oh, really? What's that look like? <laughs> Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you'll be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings. Your fight is not against flesh and blood, as another translation says. Our fight is not against you and me. It's not with Kurt. It's not with whoever we may have a beef with, and we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to bring it on? Okay. <laughs> Meet you outside. If I'm not there, start without me. 
our fight is not with the person sitting beside us or the ones we are royally ticked off with and are having a hard time forgiving. The fight is spiritual. You have to hear that. Our vision needs to change. How we see each other must change. But it is with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under heavenly realms. Your flesh and blood, hand-to-hand combat is not with humans. Although that's what we're stuck facing. Our physical bodies hear the voices of hate and anger. And so we immediately react to the human hand-to-hand combat stuff when that isn't the battle. And those who know that, when that truth becomes in and settles there as a fact, when that attack does come, there's something weird that's going to happen. I promise you this. I've gotten one glimpse of it recently, and it feels like an intense peace right here or here, wherever you have it. For me, it was right here. It's like, where'd that come from? It was supernatural. I did not react like I normally would. And I knew it was God. That was a weird, awesome feeling I will never forget. And God gave me that gift at that moment. Colossians 3. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Remember, pause. This section is now walk out the forgiveness. Now we're walking in the decision. This is the advice from Scripture, how to walk daily, moment by moment, and for parents of young kids, instant by instant, you're walking out this stuff. This is real. Here we go. Uh, this is why we yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. You want a to-do list? There's one. Yeah, yeah. You can go back online later, get a snapshot, still frame it. Colossians 3. This is incredible. Your crucifixion, life and death, with Christ has severed the tie to this life and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. That's a pretty serious package. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him in his glory. You're in Christ, Christ is in God, Christ is in you, and as Christ is revealed, you're going to have a revelation that Christ is in you, and you're in union. This is true Christ living. In Colossians 3, what we just read, he tells us to do it, then he reveals a few things about the intent of the text, and then he tells us what to do. So if, he, if he's telling us what to do, that's got to be possible. So he tells, us, he tells us that we can do it. So you can't say, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. It would not be an instruction if it was not possible. God doesn't do that. And it tells us we are responsible to do it. This is a command to us. It's not a law. Please don't say, well, the Bible says you have to. Stop doing that kind of head trip baseball bashing with the Bible on people. 
That's why people run from the church. They're sick and tired of the judgmentalism. Instead, when we see these directions, these commands, see, laws have a punishment associated to it. If you break the law, you're going to be punished or deal with consequences. With the commands, they're for our benefit, for our advice, for walking in the holiness we've been created to walk in. Is, are there consequences when you don't? Yep, but it's not punishment. It's not punishment. We're called to obey, and it's not a swear word. The word obey, four-letter word, yep. Some people in the church cringe at that. Oh, no. You know what? Let's make it beautiful again. Because it is the heartbeat of submission. That's what the Trinity does in itself. Submits one to another. And we have been called to submit one to another for our sake. Oh, my goodness, this is awesome. The battle in Romans 12. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. There we go. Will you do that today? And if you can't, will you ask God to make your heart surrenderable? Father, may I surrender and let you be the God of outcomes, to be the one who infuses the ideas in my head of where my mind has to be changed, where my thoughts need to be renewed. Be a living sacrifice. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. Holiness, set apart. That's it. Just set apart. It doesn't mean you have to be holy. I have to walk around holy and dress in a holy way. Speak like I have a pulpit stuffed down my throat. Nothing like that. Just be real, okay? Just be, be authentic, holy, set apart. Experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. That's what worship is. We think singing songs is worship. We think listening to a sermon could be worship, and they are. That's true worship. Heart, while you drive, while you rake your lawn, while you do dishes, laundry, while you cook, while you work, while you're whatever. It's instant by instant worship of surrender. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. That is what this entire series is about. Changing the way we think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. How many want that? Oh, yes. We're not going to have time for this next part. So, Sarah, I'm going to ask you to do a freeze screen, or zoom in on the screen in just a second, because those who want to see these steps, they can uh, see them and freeze frame them. Um, Charles Stanley uh, gave an illustration of a chair, which is a practical picture of how to forgive somebody uh, in your own quiet little way. And the idea is put a chair in front of you, you have a chair here, you're facing the chair, and you, and you mentally put that person in that spot. And so... Page one, don't read all this because we're going to go way too fast, but as soon as Sarah gets that captured, I'll go on to the next one. But these are, these are, I think there's like 16 steps that are really important to process. If you're serious and want to do this, this is a very healthy process to go through. So number two, oops, did you 
Can I have it back? The power? Control. There we go. There we go. And then we have these. So once you have that, uh, you can zoom back out to normal in just a second. This is part of walking out the forgiveness. Now that you've forgiven them between you and your Heavenly Father, now mentally place them in that chair and go through a heart process. Sometimes we need other people's advice. We can't come up with it. We're not that smart. Sometimes those things will lead to an authentic heart trigger to something better. Use what, if we've got it, let's use it. Number seven, let's thank God for what he's done. Thank God. Walk in thanksgiving. I'll bet you uh, everything that walking in thanksgiving will be the best fertilizer for a healthy heart and a forgiving heart. Walking in thanks. It's going to be really hard to be angry at somebody else and thankful to your Heavenly Father. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Could use that right now. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. I've seen some of your videos singing, so some you might want to do it in private, some of you. All right, just kidding. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched, drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God, the Father, because of what Christ has done for you. You're having a tough day? Ticked off mood, got cut off in the roundabout, and so on and so on. The guy in front of you is going so slow. Start giving praise. I've, I've started to practice that. It works. Sometimes it's more fun to be angry, but it works. Just saying. Philippians 4, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. There it is again. Gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus. <laughs> There's some serious advice here, folks. There's probably four sermons in this. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Oops. 1 Corinthians 4, or 1, 4 to 5. I am always thanking my God for you because he has given you such free and open access to his grace through your union with Jesus. Pause there for a moment. This is a reminder of your identity in Christ. You have been given full access to the divine because you're one with Jesus. You lack nothing. The Messiah. Your union with Jesus, the Messiah. In him, you have been made extravagantly rich in every way. You have been endowed with a wealth of inspired utterance and the riches that come from your intimate knowledge of him. And it is that knowledge that is growing and increasing in us. And lastly, almost lastly, but for today, lastly, affirming your forgiveness prayer. We talked about that last week, what that prayer was. Freedom comes through forgiveness, folks. I pray that God will make your heart willing to pray the prayer of forgiveness for whoever has hurt you 
So you pray that prayer to your Heavenly Father and begin there and release that person between you and God. It's got nothing to do with them, but everything to do with you. Forgiveness may not remove the memory or take away the sting, but it does promote inner healing. Knowing how to forgive and forgiving are two very different issues. And you've been called to forgive as an act of obedience. Forgiving yourself is vital and forgiving God may be necessary. Some of us don't even know how to forgive ourselves because our standard is so much higher than God's. You know, I know God and forgive me, but I can't. Listen to yourself. And lastly, God. What do you mean? Forgive God? Oh, do you know how many people I know that are ticked off with God? A lot. They blame him. And it comes from a misunderstanding of who he is. They do not believe he is love. They think he's caused this stuff. And so they're angry. There may be value in saying, God, I forgive you. <laughs> Get us a big hug. That's <laughs> what's going to happen. Like, that's your daddy's heart for you. And we'll end here. This is the forgiveness prayer we talked about last week. I want to read it to you one more time. May this be the beginning of authentic healing for the person or persons you have in your mind that need to be forgiven. This is the event. I confess I have been forgiven of everything by my Lord Jesus Christ. I confess I have been made a new creation in him. I confess that any unforgiving attitude I have is not a reflection of my true identity. Therefore, as an act of my will, I choose by the power of Christ in me to forgive you, the person, the people, the group, this very day, fully recognizing my emotions may not reflect the choice I have just made. I choose to release you from my need to exact vengeance, my need to pour shame and anger on you. <laughs> By the power of Christ in me, I release you from the responsibility to meet my needs for love and acceptance. And I choose today, as an act of my will, to trust Jesus alone as the only able and true source of meeting all my needs. I trust this day that Christ in me and the light of Christ in you to do the work in each of us that needs to be done, I surrender the outcome of this process to Christ, regardless if a relationship is restored or not. May the Holy Spirit wake you up. May healing come. Sozo, salvation, sozo, healed. <laughs> Think about that. Let's pray. Father, you are our sozo. You are our healing. You are our salvation. You are the salvation of restored relationships too. But it's the one between you and me that needs to be restored fully in my mind. Thank you for that gift. For the other people around me, Father, as you do your work in me, you can work out how that will look to everyone else around me. I surrender. I trust you. And when I don't trust you, I need you to remind me that I trust you. Thank you, Father. Amen.